Hey, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn on over to the book of Ecclesiastes. In just a little while, we are going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. And next week, we are wrapping up the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, then we're going to spend three weeks in the book of John, finishing that up. We, we've taken some big breaks, but we've been in John for uh, almost two. It'll be almost two years to finish it. And we're going to finish on Easter. So I'm excited about that. But today... Um, Today we're in a great passage, and let me just ask you, did anybody who lives sort of out in this general area get that shelter-in-place call yesterday? Yeah, I was just getting going with my morning. Kids are still sleeping, and uh, I get this, like, my phone rings, and I don't recognize the number, but it says public service. I'm like, what's that? So I answer it, and it's the sheriff's department, kind of like a reverse call, and they're like, shelter-in-place. There's suspects. They could be armed and dangerous. I'm like, whoa. So I uh, get up, throw my piece in my sweatpants, go check all the doors, clear the house, because, you know, that's the way we have to roll in the Redlands. It's a (laughs) thug life out here. Kids finally get up and and, uh, tell them, you know, hey, keep the doors locked and, and, and then, like, the cat needs to go out, and my daughter's like, no, keep the cat in. I'm like, no, the cat can go out. <laughs> sure, the cat will be okay. But anyway, a little while later, we get a call, another call, and it's all clear. And I'm like, I wonder what was going on. And then I see on the sheriff's department news, there was a homicide in the morning. Seems uh, GJ isn't such a small town anymore, is it? And I got to thinking over the whole situation in the context of the book of Ecclesiastes that yesterday there, there was a young man who started a day with a plan for that day. Maybe it was a, a bad plan. Maybe it was not. But his plan wasn't to end up in the street. But it came for him. And in this series, Living Life Backward, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon reminds us over and over that life is unpredictable, that life isn't fair, that even even with the best laid plans, it doesn't always go our way, does it? And whether at at a ripe old age or what seems like way too early, it's coming for us all. So what do you do with that? How do you live life in light of that reality? See, if we're not careful, we can get sucked into a cycle of what-if thinking about a bunch of things that we actually can't control. And if we don't keep that in check, we actually will miss out on living life the way God intended. I don't know about you, what you get spun out on. Sometimes I get spun out on geopolitics kind of stuff, and and I've been kind of trying to keep up with the whole situation going on, you know, over with Russia and China, and there's all kinds of stuff that you're not, like, hearing about on the everywhere on the nightly news that's, that's going on. And, uh, and, you know, you hear things like, you know, the DEFCON being raised and some of these huge conversations that it's like, what do you do with that? And although it's interesting speculating and, and, uh, and thinking about that, if, if I'm not careful, I find it easy to sort of let that get me a little bit depressed. Uh, my wife and I joke, we got this, 
I've got this guy I, I sometimes watch um, that does like these news updates, and we affectionately just call him Bald Guy. Um, <laughs> but he gets on and just like deadpan. There's no like welcome to you know my my channel. We're gonna talk about some stuff, a little humor. It's just like this is what's going on. It's very serious, and so you know we'll be like oh, Bald Guy's cheery today. <laughs> But it's easy to get spun up on stuff. I bet you have something like that too, don't you? Like you have a what-if scenario that plays out in your mind all day long, oftentimes if you're not careful. Maybe for you, um, it's a social media thing. What do they think about me thing? Something you kind of obsess over. And if you allow that to continue unchecked, it will and can suck the joy out of your life and ultimately leave you with regrets. So in chapter 11 of the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, he's going to give us some guidance on how to live a, a full, good life in light of the unpredictability of life. And he's going to speak actually specifically to young people in this chapter. So don't, don't miss this, because if you get this, it has the potential to help you understand how to really live in this crazy world that we live in. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to dive on in. We're going to start in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to go through, slowly go through the whole chapter. It's a short chapter, and then I'm going to pick up half a verse from chapter 12, which is where we're going to finish chapter 12 next week. So here we go. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1. It says this, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. Now, last week I, I had a handful of things for you to pay attention to in order to live wisely. Pay attention to these things in your life. This week, um, as, I, as I've gone through this chapter, I've really seen there's three attitudes of the heart Three ways to approach living that I think are critical if you want to live a full life, a rich life in light of what life actually is. And the first thing that I see in this chapter is this, that, that if you want to live well, you have to live open-handed. You have to have an attitude towards your, your heart and life that's open-handed. Now, this works itself out in a couple ways. Uh, it works itself out with, um, you know, we talked about this last week. You've got three T's. You've got some time God's given you. You've got some gifting, some talents that God's given you. You've got some stuff, some treasure that God's given you. And having an open-handed, you can either grasp both hands tightly. We looked at this in Ecclesiastes. I think it was chapter uh, four. Um, you can either... He says it's better to have one hand open than two hands tightly grasped, holding on to everything. And this is the idea of an open-handed living. It's looking at your life and saying, God, this is my life. It's available to you. This is the stuff you've given me. A Christian perspective is you've given this to me to manage. I don't even actually own it. It's yours. And this is like the giftings you've given me, and, and it's for you. You can place what you want in my hands. Uh, maybe you want to take something out. Maybe you want to replace it with something better. It's yours, Lord. That's an open-handed perspective towards doing life. And so Solomon starts this out. He says, cast your bread on the water, which sounds kind of like weird, soggy bread. Um, now, this, this was an old saying, even in Solomon's day. 
And here's what this meant. It, it was the concept of investing by you would grow a crop and you would plant your seeds and hopefully you'd have a good return. And then you had a couple choices. I can either hang on to all of that stuff and eat it now or save it for now, or I can take a portion of that and I can send it off on a cargo ship way over there and hopefully they're going to be able to sell it and I'm going to get a good return on that. And Solomon says, here's here's how to live open-handed when it comes to an attitude towards life. Take some of that and strip it off. You don't know what God's going to do. You don't know how God's going to bless that. Hopefully that's going to be sold. Hopefully you're going to get a good return. This involves risk, doesn't it? And it required patience. It wasn't overnight. Um, In the olden days, ships took a long time to sail around the world, didn't they? Maybe months, maybe half a year before you would get a return on your investment, maybe longer. But Solomon's saying, take a risk. Do something that has the potential. Take some of what you've been given and... And, and do something with it. Live open-handed. This, man, this is faith. I mean, if you see faith in Scripture over and over again, it involves risk, doesn't it? When God calls Abraham, there's a, there's a risk involved. Where are we going? Um, just follow me. Leave, leave your home. I'll, sh- I'll show you. How's this all going to work out? I'm not telling you. But do you trust me? What you have is the promise of the goodness of God, that he is good. He's with you. Most, almost never does he give you all the information on how it's going to work out. He just says, follow me. Come on. Let's do this. Step out in that direction. Hebrews talks about faith because in Hebrews 11, it says faith, if you want to approach God, you got to believe first that he is, and, and then you have to believe essentially that he's good, that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. That there's there's an essential element of faith that steps out because you have a confidence that God is good. And so it allows you to live open-handed and say, you know, my stuff, my time, my treasure, the stuff you've given, it's yours. There's a value in living boldly, in taking a calculated risk, in, in prayerfully saying, God, what do you want me? Maybe it's starting a business. How do you want me to use my life for the betterment of others and for your kingdom? It's yours. It's yours. And so you see this, cast your bread, invest, take some risks, do some things that aren't guaranteed in life. Step out. In the second part of that, he says, give. Give a portion. And in the Hebrew, um, you see the number seven is a number of completion, it's, it's a number of fullness. And so he says, give the number of completion fullness. And then what is eight? A little more. Like, don't just stop there. Be generous. Live a generous life. And it's interesting. Why does he say you need to live this way? He says, and it's a little counterintuitive, because when we think about our stuff, the thing we think about is oftentimes um, grab onto it, hold it tightly. And what's counterintuitive here is he says, you don't know what disaster might happen on the earth. Like, you don't know what tomorrow brings. You may lose it all tomorrow. And you're like, yeah, so I need to hang on to it. He goes, no, you might not have the opportunity to be generous tomorrow. So be generous today. (laughs) You have the opportunity to use your stuff to do something with today. Are you going to hang on to all of it? Think it's all in my hands, so it's all for me? Or am I going to open my hands and say, God, this is yours. Who can I bless in my life? See, it's a different way of thinking about your stuff. It's like, whoa, Solomon, 
you're pretty wise, but that's pretty, pretty different from how I often think about my stuff. Life's uncertain, so give it away. Eat dessert first, and he's saying, yeah, give dessert away. <laughs> Share your dessert. Reminds me a lot of things Jesus said when it comes to our relationship with our stuff. See, this is one of the key topics. If you go and read all the way through the Gospels, Jesus talks about this over and over and over again. It's one of the primary topics. And why does he do that? He does that because he understands that our relationship with our stuff is an indicator of where our heart is. And Solomon's super wise. Well, Jesus comes along and Jesus says, something greater than Solomon's here. Listen to me. Solomon was wise, but he didn't very often do a great job of living up to his wisdom, did he? Had like a thousand women, followed them into idolatry. Not a, not a wise move. Jesus, perfect wisdom. Perfect wisdom that was lived out perfectly in spite of all the temptations of life. And Jesus comes around and he says some things like this. He's, he tells a parable about a, a, a guy who, who has all this stuff and he gets more and he's like, what do I do? I have so much. And um, the solution was I need to go build more storage units. You know it as the bigger barns. Parable, if you've read Jesus. Go, I, I'm out of room for all my stacked gold and silver and all the crops and everything. So, so I should build more so that I can accumulate more and more. And Jesus says, no. You can't take any of that with you, you fool, he calls him. Tonight, your life is required. You don't know when it's going to come for you. And you have an opportunity now to live open-handed and do something with what you have. In fact, Jesus says this. It sounds a lot like what Solomon says right here. He says, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. What does that mean? You can't take any of it with you when you go. And so you should be investing in relationships now. Investing in relationships and investing that other people could come into an eternal relationship with Jesus. Why? You're going to have eternal friends. You're going to have people that are there because of you. And you're going to actually enjoy. You ever? I hope you have some wonderful relationships in your life that just like are life-giving. You realize with those that love Jesus, those relationships are going to go on forever and just get better. It's wonderful. And he says, invest. You could be doing that right now. Jesus says this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That there's a connection with the heart. And, and, and your relationship with your stuff, your, the open-handedness, God, this is yours, demonstrates where your heart's at. I had an amazing illustration of this specific scripture um, about moth and rust. A number of years ago, uh, I had a friend that had a little side hustle selling these really cool um, antique Persian rugs. He'd go over, he'd get them, and, and, uh, and, and come back. And he was kind of going through a rough time, and so he was trying to get rid of some stuff. And so he, he gave us this incredible deal on these two amazing um, antique uh, Afghan rugs. They're really cool. They're still some of the favorite things we own. And uh, we had these rugs, and then, we, then I had a kid. <laughs> And 
this little boy that I had was messy and he'd like puke in random places, right? Because that's what kids do. <laughs> and like he, he couldn't, he would eat and there'd be food everywhere. And so we are freaked out. He's like, he's going to destroy our new beautiful rugs. And so we rolled him up, we threw him up in our loft and thought, we'll just wait till he's a little bit older, then we can bring him back down and enjoy him. Well, I go up in the loft one day and I see a moth fly out of the end of one of the rugs. And I'm like, oh no. And so I unroll it. And thankfully, uh, I got to it. And you can still see little spots where the moths started eating it. But thankfully, I got to it quick. So it didn't destroy it. And we're like, all right, that's it. We're putting this rug back down to live here. We're rolling out. It's like the kid might destroy it, but it's just stuff. I don't want to have stuff rolled up in the attic waiting for moth, literally, moth and rust destroy. Like, use it for the benefit of others. Use it for the kingdom of God. Why? Because life's unpredictable. Live open-handed. And this is the mentality of heart that says, I'm going to invest in some things. I'm going to take some calculated risks. I'm going to ask God, God, where do you want me to invest? What do you want me to do with my life when it comes to my relationships, when it comes to my time, my talents, my treasures? I'm going to be a a person who steps out in faith, and I'm going to be open-handed, understanding that it's your kingdom first that I can't take any of it with me, that everything belongs to you, God. My life, my resources are deployed for you and for others. It's an attitude of the heart, living open-handed. And it's, it, here's our tendency in life is to, oftentimes for many, you start out the Christian walk with hands open, and then it's so easy to begin to slowly close them tighter as you get a little older and a little further. It's a beautiful thing. This isn't a giving talk, but... A beautiful thing about the tithe, as you see the tithe in Scripture. And this is something uh, done for years and something we, we're teaching our kids. When you're young and you get a, a dollar, a dime doesn't feel like a lot to drop in a jar, right? And then, you, then they're getting like 10 bucks. They, they babysat for an hour. They got 10 bucks. Now they're throwing a dollar in. It feels like a little bit more. All of a sudden, you're making, you know, a hundred, couple hundred thousand dollars a year. And, 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 you, and it really reveals something about your heart because the attitude is either it, it hurts more the more you make or it's more joy. It's more joy. It's the same ratio, same amount, isn't it? And see, our tendency as we, as we get older is actually to close our hands. And God says, when it comes to your time, your treasure, your, your talent, I want you to live open-handed. I want you to live open-handed. Verse 3, he goes on. He says, if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. And here's the big picture. Clouds, the tree. Some things in life are predictable, but many things in life, there's a certain randomness to them, isn't it? The wind's blowing. You don't really know. The tree's creaking. You don't know which way it's going to fall. The cloud, you don't know the moment the cloud's going to let loose or if that storm cloud's going to produce rain. And he says, if you fixate too much on the things you can't control in life, you will stop really living it. If you spin out too much on what if, what if, what if thinking, you'll, you'll sort of, you won't live life to the fullest. 
Now, obviously, you be wise, you make wise choices. He talks about that a lot in both in this, these writings and in others. So, so you don't just be careless, reckless. You make wise choices. You take wise, cautious steps. But you can't always be fixated, spinning out on the what if, what if, what if, all the things you can't control. Because why? Life will never give you perfect circumstances. If you're always like, I'm waiting, you know, we're in love, but we're going to wait five, six years until the, you know, it's the perfect time of life, and then we're going to get married. Life's never going to give you the perfect time of life. And even if life brings you the perfect time of life, you're not going to marry the perfect person. Oh, I know, they're perfect right now. They're not perfect. You're going to marry a fallen person, a sinful person. Now, it's, if, if you both love Jesus and you, and you are committed to, to working it out, it's going to be wonderful. But it ain't going to be perfect. Life never gives you perfect circumstances. You've been hurt in a church before. I get it. I'm sorry. But guess what? There's, there's fallen people sitting all around you. Some people in church are going to hurt you again. You can either insulate yourself or you can re-engage You, you maybe had a parent that lost a, a spouse early or had, um, you know, uh, somebody in your life that lost a child from a tragedy. You can either say, say I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to do nothing. I'm not going to step into this. Or you can embrace life and step into it and take a, a risk. Guys, young men, especially, listen up. Don't let the fact you have in your head, like the, the great, perfect job you want, don't let your, your picture in your head keep you from a great opportunity that may not feel like the, the position you really want to have yet. Step into it. You never know what God's going to do through that. Don't sit in the basement playing video games waiting for the perfect opportunity while passing up a great opportunity. Don't do it. Guys, girls, um, young people. I had a, a joke, a saying with my friends um, when I was a young man, and now I think it was kind of dumb. It was, keep your options open. Guess what? You can keep your options open to the place, and you can avoid making a decision to the point where you don't have the same choices available anymore. It's not a wise way to live life. In fact, the wise way is you find somebody that loves God, shares your values, do life with them. Commit. It's counterintuitive. Commit. That's where richness and joy are actually found. He goes on in verse 5. As you do not know the way of the Spirit, or as you do not know the way of the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child... So you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So he, t- he talks about this, that, that the Spirit, he, he, he talks about the Spirit, and Jesus actually picks up on this theme and paraphrases it and expands it when he talks to Nicodemus in John 3 about spiritual birth, about rebirth, about being born again. And there's a mystery to the ways of God. There's a mystery to the sovereignty of God. There's some things he clearly speaks that you clearly understand, typically in relation to what is right and what is wrong. And then there's many things when it comes to choosing and picking directions in life that he doesn't 
often or always give clear revelation on. And it's part of the mystery of God. You don't always know. There's lots of things in life we don't understand why God allows or why God does. That's just part of, the, that's part of what God chooses to reveal to us. So in light of that, how do you make wise decisions in life? How do you know which steps to take? Have you ever wondered that? How do you know what God wants for you? Here's how you do it. And this is an attitude of heart. When it comes to the way you live, you need to have an attitude of heart in life that says this, I'm going to seek God, and then I'm going to do my best to make a wise choice. You need to seek God first, always, and then just do your best to make a wise choice. When you seek God and you, and you do your best to make a wise choice, you're not going to get a finger wagged at you from God for making that choice. When you, when you look at the word and you understand, hey, see, there's vertical relationship. There's choices that are up and down. That means usually God says, hey, this is the way I've said to live your life. These are the guidelines. These are the moral guidelines. When it comes to your sex life, here's, here's what that looks like. Faithfulness, being committed it, to be in the context of, of one man and one woman in, in the commitment of marriage. And it's a beautiful thing. That's a, that's where you line it up. When it comes to your relationship with your stuff, here's how that's to look, open-handed. There's choices in life that are very clear in Scripture. And then there's other things where it's like, God, which direction should I go? Who should I marry? How? And you seek God, because sometimes he can. Sometimes he speaks very clearly on those issues, but many times he says, make a choice. Make a choice. You know, um, God spoke to us very clearly in some really unique, clear ways before we planted this church. Very good confirmation. I told um, <laughs> a guy that uh, is, is now a key leader in a uh, network of churches that, and he's like, you know why God made it that clear? Because it's going to be really hard. I'm like, oh, thanks. He was right. But oftentimes, God just says, make a choice. See, he put us in the garden. What did he give um, Adam the Job to do, first job, name the animals. Your choice, dude. I'm excited to see what you're going to come up with. Dog, all right. Cat, Fly, come on, Adam. You can get more creative than that. All right, platypus. <laughs> that was a good one. He's given you as a human the ability to actually shape reality and shape the future. And yes, you always seek him. But you just do your best to make a wise choice. Too many Christians freeze and get paralyzed when, they, when they're trying to figure out what God wants them to do. See, it's an error to over-spiritualize every decision in life. Anybody remember Magic 8-Ball where you like... No, I couldn't play with them, but... Some of you did. Your parents let you. But is this sort of... Like, you're trying to get some direction for life. God isn't like a cosmic fortune teller. It's not the way he operates. Now, sometimes he reveals his things he's doing in the prophetic in different areas. But typically, oftentimes, when it comes to right and left decisions about which direction that I go in, in life, it's like, uh, yeah, pray and see if I give you anything clear. But if I not, make a choice. Make a choice. 
pray, ask what is wise. That's what we talked about. What is the wise choice for me right now? It's a very revealing question because sometimes it's not like I don't, this isn't a right or wrong decision. I could take this promotion or I could not, but it's wise because it's going to keep me on the road 30 weeks a year and I've got, you know, little kids. I don't think it's wise to take that for a little bit of extra money. It's a revealing thing. See, there's never a time when all the circumstances line up perfectly in life. Sometimes you just got to make a choice. Got to commit. You got to go for it. Which is why he said, hey, in the morning and the evening, sow your seed. Take action. Take action. Like you don't know they would plant in the morning, they'd, you know, in the heat of the day, usually rest inside, go out in the evening, plant some more. You don't know which one's going to be successful. So work hard. Go for it. Invest in different things. Any wise financial investor will tell you to diversify, right? And you treat your resources differently at what time in life you are. Be wise about it. Work hard. Be strategic. Try some things. Be a person of action. Because if you're always obsessed with control, um, you're actually not going to enjoy life or live it to the fullest. Yes, save, invest in the future, but don't miss taking action on the areas and the things that God places before you. You never know. You're like, well, sure, let's, let's try that. And that may be the thing God just blows up in your life that, <laughs> that helps your family for generations. I've told this story before. My great-grandfather in the war um, or in the Great Depression, there was no work. He was an architect. He graduated. And uh, a guy from this little company said, hey, I don't have any money, but I have, uh, I've got work if you want to do it. And so my, uh, my grandpa helped him design a bunch of Coca-Cola bottling plants for some stock. That company went somewhere. That took my great-grandfather out of lower middle class into upper middle class. He never got crazy rich, but it was a wise choice. He took action. Don't waste your time headed in no direction in life. Young people, listen up. Like, make some goals and move towards them. I'm no longer of the opinion that every single person needs to go out and and, uh, spend a bunch of time getting a college degree. Maybe. I mean, there's definitely fields where, where that's really important. But maybe for you, you don't really know what you want to do with your life. You know what? That's okay. You don't have to have your whole life figured out at 18, guys. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life well into my 20s. But you know what I did? I took some great opportunities. I traveled all around the world. I did missions work. And you know what? I wouldn't trade those experiences for anything. Don't just sit in the basement waiting for the perfect opportunity. Do something. Travel, do some missions work, like invest your life, try some really cool things in life, start a business, do different things. You gotta, you know where you had to go to college, don't just waste your time, yeah. Get a degree that's gonna help you in life. Don't just wait around, take action and trust that God can redirect your paths and open and close doors in your life. I've watched that in my life that God can just swing a door open before you. You'd never even thought it was there. And it's like, wow, okay, I'm going to walk through this opportunity. It says man plans his ways, but God directs his paths. 
He's able to open and close doors. You know, you think of the Apostle Paul as probably, when we think of him, I mean, incredible man of faith, heard from the Lord in dramatic ways, experienced incredible stuff, probably had more faith than any of us. And yet there's this interesting passage where he knows he's called to preach the gospel to the Gentile world. And there's this interesting passage where it seems like they're trying to preach in this one place and they're just banging their head against the wall. It's not working. And it's like, it's like a closed door. And then he gets a vision of the, this person in Macedonia saying, come over here. And so they go and preach the gospel there. And, and God can redirect your steps. When you seek him, you make a, the best wise decision you can. Guess what? He can speak to you in all sorts of creative and interesting ways and get your attention. But don't be paralyzed while you wait. Do the thing that you know he's calling you to do. Take a wise step. Make a wise decision in life. He goes on. He says this. Life, light is sweet. I love getting up and seeing the beautiful sunlight this morning. It's been a little gloomy this winter. Light is sweet and is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many, and all that comes is vanity. Habel, it's a vapor, it's a mist. So he says, hey, this isn't just for young people. I've got some young people advice here, but it's for old people as well. The years, the days God gives you, rejoice in them, enjoy them. Life is beautiful in spite of the pain. Rejoice in it. Don't miss the joy of life because you can't control it and grasp a hold of it. He goes on, verse 9, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are fleeting, a vapor, a mist. Remember also your creator in the days of of your youth. Don't wait. Don't wait. You don't have to be someone with the story of, I wandered away from God for 10 years and 20 years, and now I'm back with a lot of regrets. Somebody in the room want to say amen? Like, listen, you could be the one that says, I never walked away. I pursued him. Remember the creator in the days of your youth, guys. Here's the third thing that I see in this. It's this, honor God and enjoy life. This is an attitude you need to have towards life. Honor God first, always, and then enjoy life, actually. Some of you are so driven or so concerned about all the things you can't control that the joy has been sucked out of your life. You're not enjoying life. You know you are commanded to rejoice and enjoy? <laughs> That's a command from God. We don't think of it. Normally we think of God like, no, 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 no. God says, I'm going to command you to do something. Be joyful. Rejoice. Enjoy your life. It's, been a, it's a gift. Are you receiving life as a gift from him? Or are you just trying so much to control it that there's no joy in your life? There, there's an old saying, um, youth is wasted on the young. And, and here's, here's what that means. Uh, I had a friend uh, tell me he, uh, he, he threw his back out putting on his pants this morning or his pajamas, <laughs> taking off his pajamas. I'm like, yeah, that's what happens, isn't it? <laughs> the older you get, 
like you realize you take a lot of things for granted when you're young. There's a joke. Um, I thought it was good. So there's two old guys, and one guy's out at the golf field. He goes and plays with his younger buddies, and uh, he's in his 80s, and they stand him up. They don't show up that morning, and he's bummed, and he's talking to this other guy um, who's actually even older than him in his 90s, and, and he says, man, I wanted to play, but my eyes are getting so bad I can't see it when I drive the ball down the field or down the green, and so um, I, I guess I can't play today. And the guy's like, well, I've still got 20-20 vision. I'll, I'll come out and spot that for you. So they go, yeah, let's go play. So they get out there. He drives the ball all the way down. And he looks over. He goes, did you see where it went? The guy's like, yeah. But I forgot. <laughs> it's coming for you. It's coming for you. <laughs> so Solomon says, live your life. Enjoy life. In fact, he goes on. He says, follow the impulses of your heart. God's placed like wired you up in a way that you love certain things. You have passion about certain things in your life. Like go for it. Take advantage of the opportunity to pursue the things on on your heart. It only gets more complicated the older you get. <laughs> like you, you. I love the fact that I got to travel all over the world and do all these things. I mean, most of the stories I get to tell are from that time. They're great stories. I'm like, uh, man, I'd be a really boring preacher if I'd not done that stuff. <laughs> I, I love those experiences. Do you love traveling? Go for it. And let me just say, don't, don't use kids as an excuse to stop doing that. Yes, it gets more, more complicated. I've been there. I've done that. Sometimes it's a little bit of a pain, but it's worth it. And it'll light your kids up. Those will be great, great memories for them. We've seen that with our kids. Uh, there's a saying that, that Solomon says in another spot. He says, um, where there are many oxen, or where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but much strength comes with the oxen. Here's what that means. If you want to do great things and experience cool things in life, you have to put up with some poo. There's always some poo. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Skydiving your thing? Cool, go for it. Like, I can't see a per good reason to jump out of a perfectly good airplane, but if that's your thing, great. I want to sail around the world at some point, or at least not really. I just want to sail the South Pacific, the nice section. They call it the milk run. So if one of these years I peace out, do a sabbatical, that's probably, hopefully, if I can figure it out, that's where I'm going to be. Like maybe you're like, oh, we've always wanted to take our family on a missions trip, but, 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 and you've always got an excuse. Do it. Do it. Don't let the excuse keep you from experiencing what God might have for you. You want to travel and go to Israel and walk where Jesus walked. Come on, make it happen. And I know I'm going to say that. I'm going to get a bunch of emails. When are you planning the trip, Tim? So I've got some great sources. One of these days, one of these days we'll plan a trip because I want to do that too. Is God tugging on your heart to adopt? Go for it. Do it. I, I know uh, we've got a young lady in the church. She. And God was just tugging on her heart to foster, to help some kids. And so she did. And it's been amazing. She's like, I'm not waiting around. There's kids that need something, and God's calling me to do this. I'm going to do it. She did it. She is pouring her life into two wonderful kids. It's beautiful to see. 
But he says, now, before you just go out and pursue what's on your heart, honor God. Honor God and enjoy life. Honor God first. Don't just go out and do it and think that, that's like the first couple book, chapters of Ecclesiastes, think that you're going to find satisfaction in doing it the way that the world does it and just partying it up. No, align your life to his principles. Honor him with your life. Live life the way that he says to live it. And then enjoy it. And this is creation language. That's why I think he ties in, remember your creator. Not just remember God. Remember your creator. Why? He's bringing us back to the garden. Relationship was unbroken when God says it was good. See, the first deception in that humanity was tempted with at, at original sin was that God is holding out on you. That God is holding out that there's there's fun good things in life God doesn't want you to have them. No, no, no. It's this idea. It's God is good. We get to live in his goodness, dwell in his goodness. He is good. He wants our joy. And the guidelines he places align with the reality of what life actually is. That's why he tells you to do your sex life the way that he tells you to in Scripture, to be faithful and committed to your spouse. And it's a beautiful and enjoyable thing in in that context. I heard a great illustration that it's like uh, if you have a, a home and you have a fireplace in the living room, you know, and beautiful fireplace, and you light a fire in there, it's going to be beautiful and bring warmth to the house. Your intimacy is the same way. If you light a fire in the middle of the living room, what's it going to do? It's going to burn things down. It's going to create damage in your heart, emotional, spiritual damage. God says, that's the way the reality is. I'm not holding out on you. I'm not some repressive God? No. It's for your joy. It's for your thriving in life. It's that you would enjoy life the way that God has created it to be enjoyed. He's not holding up on you. And if you want to do this, like, if you want to really enjoy your life and honor God, you have to do a couple things. First, you have to avoid sin. You have to avoid it. The thing that starts out as a, as a temptation so often leads to something you can't escape, which is why Paul says those who sin are enslaved to sin. Many wonderful futures in life were burned down by addiction or by gossip or by anger or by greed or by lust. Many families destroyed. The second thing is you have to avoid materialism. See, there's an idea that culture is telling you that you need to have all the nicest things at a young age. You need to drive that. You need to live there. You need to look like that. And if you accept that as your reality, guess what it's going to keep you from doing? All the other awesome things that God's placed on your heart as a young person. See, debt isn't a sin. Sometimes, you know, in wise investments and stuff, it's a great tool. But if you get sucked into dumb consumer debt, you're going to be stuck with, a, with a, a car payment that you're going to look back and go, well, I don't even like this vehicle anymore. It broke down. You're going to be stuck with a bunch of stuff that you don't care about in five years. And because you were enslaved to those payments, 
you're not going to have the freedom to go out and do the cool things that God's placed on your heart to do. I was broke and drove some old cars, but I wouldn't trade my experiences for a nicer car or more money in the bank. Follow the impulses of your heart, but honor God with your life. I'm going to invite some of the band back up. We're going to close in a song. If you would, as they come up, why don't you stand? I'm just going to ask you a couple questions. What do you do with this? What do we do? Well, you live life open-handed. You live it open-handed. You have an attitude towards God that says, what is the wise thing to do? You seek him. You prayerfully, then you just make a choice. You make the best wise choice you can for your life. Don't stress out too much about it. And then you honor him. You honor him and you enjoy your life. So let me just ask you, we're going to sing this song about the goodness of God living in his goodness, experiencing his joy. And I told him, I know we sang this last week, but it was on my heart. So I said, okay, we'll do it. As we sing this, just think through this. Where are you not living right now because you're afraid? Like, is there an area you're sheltering yourself? Maybe it's a fear of failure. And so you've made your life very controlled and predictable. How might God be asking you to change that? Do you have anything in your life recently that you've done just because you enjoyed it? If not, maybe you're too driven to clasp onto a bunch of things you can't hang on to. Is there an area where you need to lean into joy and say, God, you're good. I want to experience this again in my life. Is there something sinful or foolish in your life that has the potential to burn down the joy that God has for you, either now or in your future? You need to deal with that. Are you investing in great relationships with those who love Jesus and and investing in those who don't? That you might have relationships that go on forever. And are you living open-handed, both now and in the light of eternity, taking some risk, understanding everything I have is yours, Lord. And if one of those questions really tugged at your heart, was he saying, maybe you don't sing, maybe you just pray for a little bit and ask God, God, what do I need to do with that?